Ah, you caught me enjoying a piney holiday Gowanus cocktail. Its murky has bits of what I hope are pine needles floating in it, and its bottom is very thick. Just one of the many end-of-year traditions we have here on the program. I've talked about how robust and full our solstice shrub is this year, haven't I? A six-foot round, almost spherical topiary that Galinda cut down by hand on a recent solo meditation trip to an ashram in the Catskills. A fragrant Canadian hemlock positioned in such a way that we've had to push all of our year-round furniture up against the walls. It looks terrific in our space, and if I could get far enough back from it in any direction, I would take a picture of it. Sliding between the tree and the wall, as I must, to get to the kitchen, each morning I pay close attention to its branches, so as to be on the lookout for rot and the dastardly sap-sucking hemlock woolly edelgids but also to enjoy the many solstice ornaments we've tied to the tree using threads I've unspooled from moth-eaten turtlenecks. Yes, there's the hand-cut moon-shaped pieces of tin that Gary and Guillaume gave us. Those have extra sharp edges, and that's why I hung a box of heavy-duty bandages right nearby. A rock tied with jute that I brought back from a hike in Missoula. I still don't know how the jute got there. A snarling Icelandic cat, which is meant to scare off bootlicker, door slammer, and the other thirteen mischievous elves that haunt the winter nightmares of otherwise well-adjusted children in Reykjavik. A scrying stone made from polished aluminum foil, saved from the time Galinda and I split a chili dog at Pink's Famous Hot Dogs in Los Angeles. That was an anniversary gift that did not go over well. A bundle of sage, a cinnamon broomstick, some dried fruits, and a very old mushroom also adorn the majestic conifer ball, each triggering a tiny trauma in its own way, or in some cases a happy memory of holidays in the past. We have those, too, spent gathered around a burning pyre, screaming incantations to the moon goddess, shivering and naked beneath our heavy cloaks. Probably sounds familiar to most of you. It's my favorite time of year, but it can also be trying. And this year, well, that's just how 2020 does it. Challenging until the end. Which is why on the show today we pause to take stock, to look back, and to focus on the days ahead, which offer a turning of the page, a chance to emerge anew. Yes, it's the end of the year, and we're sending it off when we flick on the tiny light switch that turns on the flashing string of lights that leads to the portal that sends us to the deep night. friends. What a journey. Hello, it's me, Dale Seaver, and I'm so happy to be your host, guide, and guru for this next hour of regrets and revelations we call The Deep Night. We come to you tonight, as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus, and oh, if we could just dump this entire year into the Gowani and watch as it catches fire, melts, and spreads ever outward atop the fetid canal's viscous surface— 
It has not been easy these past ten, eleven, twelve months, and yet here we are. And we've been all processing so much, haven't we? Waves of grief and loss and optimism, then back again. It's exhausting and draining to exist in this constant churn of emotional and psychic turmoil. I'm reminded of that terrible tsunami that came sweeping through Japan a few years back. Nature at its most powerful and awful. And while that area has recovered, it's now largely populated by a horde of restless spirits. That's according to an episode of Unsolved Mysteries that I watched on my mobile phone screen. I confess that I don't know what happened to the ghost, as it was already 5.30 p.m. and completely dark outside, and who can stay awake past six anymore? Is this what the Creator intended, that people only walk the earth between about 8.30 in the morning and six? Is that when the rest of the animals and plants clock in? I guess what I'm saying is that, given the scale of this pandemic, we better be ready to deal with ghosts on a pretty regular basis, like set out some clothes they can wear, give them little ghost activities to do that aren't scary or that involve dragging chains and teaching us about the true spirit of Christmas via time travel through Victorian England. And as long as we're on the topic, might I suggest checking out the link tree in my bio for a holiday special we're running on our unique line of essential oils made right here on the commune. We have a great new scent called Sorry We Missed You, delivery on Candy Cane Lane that fills the air with burnt cardboard, melted candy cane wrappers, and the frustration of missing a package, even though you know you were home when the delivery person came by because you had the app open and the tracking information in your hand that entire afternoon. You'll be so worked up that you won't even know that a ghost is going through your dresser and stealing one sock from every pair. Well, to keep our focus and honor our losses and to express our complicated feelings as 2020 fades into darkness as it must, we have a special podcast episode for you this evening. I'm very honored to be uh, among the very first places that you can hear Louise, a new track by Brooklyn-based musical trio The Ladles. Uh, It's uh, similarly about loss and resiliency, which makes it the perfect companion for our conversation today. We'll play that track right after our interview this week, a kind of segue into the holiday times and the turning of the page on this unusual year. But before we get to that song, you will hear my conversation with now New York-based comedian Allison Rose. I'm so impressed with Allison, and she's truly a gifted writer and, uh, dare I say, wordsmith. (laughs) I'm now wired in the same way, you see, which you know if you've listened to this show. Crafting jokes? Uh, Not my (laughs) strong suit. Uh, But reading Allison's words and seeing her stand up, I knew she had the skills and that we should have her on the show uh, uh, right away. Allison moved to New York relatively recently during the pandemic, so we talk about that choice. Uh, She had been in Denver before that, and it turns out we even performed together a few years back. (laughs) How about that? She's been part of numerous comedy festivals, including High Plains, Yuck Fest, Red Clay, and can be seen performing in outdoor shows around town now that she's here. It was great fun having her on. Let's go now to my discussion with Allison Rose. Alison Rose, welcome to the deep night. 
Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> it's so terrific to have you uh, on, and I'm so pleased you could be with us to wrap up what has been quite a year. Yeah, that's, that's a way of putting it, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? Now, I'd like to start, before we get into it, really, uh, by asking you this. Would you be interested in joining a commune I've started uh, here in Brooklyn? Um, okay, I'm going to need more information. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I understand. Uh, well, it's a, a very low-key, intentional community that we you know everybody here in New York is a ghost town, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody moved out of this place, and I thought, well, squatters' rights, let's just take over the building, uh, this apartment complex, and we've got a number of people just kind of chipping in, doing some yard work, uh, helping out around the around the place. Uh, we've got some, uh, you know, fireside events. Uh, there's definitely room for all kinds of uh, diets and personalities and faith and whatever you like. So uh, could I maybe live rent-free in exchange for making cinnamon rolls? Is that... You, you understand the concept. That's right. <laughs> well, then I, I think maybe yes, so long oh. as I also have four walls of yep. my own. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're not all in one space. It's just uh, they're regular apartments. Just nobody's left here, so we could probably take the whole block. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why would someone say no? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's why I got to find an upside of all this anyhow. But uh, I do like cinnamon rolls. So yeah, I, I is that your talent? Them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> good. <laughs> One of them, I think. <laughs> Good. I know it's hard to know what we're good at anymore. What, what, what can we do? But uh, uh, now uh, there are a number of sort of commune, commune-like things out there in Colorado where you spent some time out there. Yeah, I was there for about seven years. Um, feels like maybe Colorado commune is less my style. I don't know. <laughs> Just, yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> It's too, too like, much open sky? What's the problem there? No, I like open sky. Colorado isn't the best open sky, though. It's got no. some mountains in the way of it, you know? Yes, <laughs> so. yes. we got to plow, bulldoze those things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Clear them out. Well, I, I know a little I don't know a lot about Colorado. I was there as a teen uh, uh, competing in the National Science Olympiad when it was held in Boulder. I uh, oh. went up to Pikes Peak. I did some panning for gold. And then as an adult, I've been there to visit your fine museums uh, that are there and uh, the haunted airport. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. That yeah. seems to be a pretty big attraction. <laughs> <You know. laughs> well, it's sometimes a little unavoidable, too. Isn't yeah, that's it? true. It is probably the most visited place in the state. <laughs> <laughs> right. And what's the deal there? They put up a giant horse and it's haunted. That's yes, I, I actually don't know all of the stories. I've heard about them off and on, but I, there's something with the with the tunnels and the horse, and I, it, you know. Listen, I, that's all you need. That's the recipe for a great ghost story right there. It's true. Tunnels Tun and horses. Tunnels and horses. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's most of them. <laughs> I know I listened to a real spooky, terrible podcast uh, about somebody that disappeared out there in Colorado, and uh, it was terrible because they never told you what happened to the person. But uh, my goodness, uh, the only thing I really learned from it was don't attend a drum circle. Yeah, no, always a bad idea. Also, that's how disappearing works is you don't find out what happened to the person. So why did you, <laughs> I don't know what you were expecting from that story, but it sounds like it ended as it started. 
Allison, you've nailed me on this one. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes they figure out, you know, oh, we found the body in a mine shaft or yeah. uh, something. And apparently there's a lot of mines out there, abandoned mines. I don't know. I was thinking, you know, sometimes with true crime podcasts, you get a solution. Right, it's right, not, right. I mean, unsolved mysteries, I say, okay, I get it. That's right there in the title. But if you give me a here's a true crime uh, thing, Ooh, maybe some resolution would be. I'm just looking for resolution in all things, Allison. No, that's very fair. Disappearances probably the least likely to have resolutions, but you know you got to look for it when you can. Yeah, <laughs> see, you've spent time in the Mountain West. You know how all this works. <laughs> <laughs> so appreciate that. Now, I, what I didn't realize as I was doing my prep work for our conversation today, we were both out there at the 208 Comedy Festival in Boise. This last yes. time around, that's, that's great. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going back, I guess, a year or so uh, ago. And uh, did you have a good time of it out there? Yeah, I loved that festival, and the city was Wasn't great, Wasn't it nice? Too. It yeah. was, yes, very warm and nice rooms. And, uh, you know, I didn't know how things were going to go for me out there and the sort of, you know, the low-ceiling brick walls. Uh, but, gosh, <laughs> it worked out okay. Yeah, you didn't disappear, so that's, that's good. <laughs> well, we both I made see. it. I stayed away from the drum circle. And I, I didn't go on the uh, rafting trip either because that's also a... Oh, I didn't either. Um... <laughs> See, I, we're, and we're still here. <laughs> yes. Everyone who went rafting, gone now. But yeah, oh, God. They missed this year, so... Yeah. <laughs> well, if you're going to miss a year. Um, now, uh, as with many things, though, uh, that have happened in 2020, it, there's so much just uh, an experience of loss, I think we can agree. And one of the things I uh, experienced that around comedy festivals uh, I certainly had written in my comedy journal my goals of doing more of them and I was yeah. just starting to catch a little fire there and gosh now you can't do anything yeah I uh <laughs> you know I think like everybody we all had our goals that we just gave up on early early in the year you know this was my big traveling year and money making you know it did I forget what my goals were at this point. It's just, they've been gone for so long. But festivals and just traveling were like my one of my favorite things about comedy. So yes, it's been a blow. <laughs> it has been. Oh, my goodness, it's true. I even missed the oatmeal station at LaGuardia. <laughs> yeah, I miss being hungover with people I just met the other, the day before, you know? I... <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, now, do you need to take a sip of your potion? There you go. All right. Just good. real quick. <laughs> no, sure. Enjoy. What's in there? Just coffee. Oh, sure. <laughs> little late afternoon pick me up. <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, let's uh, let's talk about 2020 though, because as I understand it, you had a kind of a unique. I mean, everyone does, but you had a really intense time of it uh, because this is the year you chose to move to New York City. It is. Yes. Yeah. So what, what was the plan? What was the plan? Um, well, I moving to New York was always my plan um, with comedy. Like I, I knew that was where I wanted to go eventually. Um, and it's where I wanted to live even when I was a kid, like before I wanted to do stand up. And then this year, you know, everything sort of fell apart. I don't know if you noticed uh, <laughs> that happening. I, I um, saw. I haven't opened the email, but I saw the headline. You know, yes, uh, things news. fell. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I guess I just, um, 
decided that I was going to have to start over wherever I was. So I might as well start over where I wanted to start over um, eventually, uh, yeah. which brought me here. Um, and your journey is from uh, what you grew up in Kansas? It did, yes. Okay, whereabouts? About an hour west of Wichita, on a outside of a small town on a wheat farm. So lovely, a lot of comedy there. No, <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a club in Wichita, but very little comedy, mostly wheat and cows and the open skies we were talking about earlier. Plenty yes, of those. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. uh, but but you were funny. No, actually. <laughs> <laughs> not not funny i don't think in the slightest maybe maybe occasionally um but i was a very very serious child um just always had written but not really comedy stuff um just i think middle of nowhere doesn't really offer a lot of comedy but plenty of serious thinking time you know so. yes and probably a lot of receiving of uh, what was happening out there and and sort mm. of uh, permeating the body a little bit and becoming part of your lived experience which you would, would then draw on uh, later in writing and comedy efforts yeah that's a lovely way to put that uh, <laughs> it is a place where you just have to soak everything in um because there's not many distractions so yeah just... Were you a part of a farming community? Uh, yeah. So my family, um, we had a wheat farm. We had cattle and chickens, and we owned the local newspaper. So we did that, too. Um, oh, that's, pretty, yeah. that's where the writing maybe comes from. <laughs> it's part of it, for sure. Yeah, my dad was always always wanted to be a writer. And then, yeah, we, we did the newspaper just ourselves as a family. So lots of roaming pastures and writing and <laughs> reading. There, you have a scythe. What is the, the wheat uh, thing that you have to cut through? Uh, what's um, the tool used? We, we had combines, uh, oh, okay. which, which cut the wheat. We did actually, when I was younger. A real modern operation. <laughs> yeah, big machines uh, operated with your feet and hands, not just your hands. Uh, oh. <laughs> we did, I remember as a kid, like walk through and like cut the rye, which is basically just like weeds in wheat um, with like just big shears uh, at some point because we didn't have the machine that did that, so... Sort of so, like a scythe. <laughs> yes, you put in some work. And, uh, and and what would you make with that? Would you make products out of it or would you just sell the raw materials? No, we just sold the sold the raw materials. Uh -huh. um, but, but growing up, was there like, okay, well, the harvest has come in. We have extra. Let's make some rye bagels. No, we never really did a lot of that. I feel like a lot of the Midwest is just focused on like big production rather than, you know, in communes where you have all of the small, <laughs> you know, we're, yeah. Yeah. Out, outward facing. Mm -hmm. Couldn't bear to take a little bit for yourself. No, no, no. Some no, people no. had sweet corn, um, which they had to, had to do under the radar because technically they weren't allowed to get subsidies for the... Oh for the sweet corn this is a very interesting fact i know <laughs> <laughs> i like undercover corn work there's so much danger out there mm -hmm. my goodness um well that's but uh, so and a, a big family working the fields um we had a decent extended family my family was there were three of us girls and then my parents and then my grandparents and a couple uncles, you know, um, most people, most of my family's from there and still there and, you know, the typical 
Midwestern story of farms. <laughs> and are they happy about you being in New York and pursuing comedy? Yeah, my parents have always been uh, suspiciously supportive um, <laughs> of any endeavor that I wanted to do. Um, I think, you know, they never pushed being like, oh, you got to make money because they didn't necessarily make money. So they're just like, it's more for them, like, go out and and do what you can. When I talked about moving um, to New York this year, I was very, very anxious about telling my parents because seems like something that would be worrisome to parents uh but my they were they were right on board they were like well this is what you've always wanted to do and my dad was like you know gotta make a change when you can so they're supportive for some reason we could all be <laughs> insane I don't, <laughs> <it's> just... <laughs> uh, but and uh there must have been did you go to school in colorado is that why you ended up there no, I uh, I went to school at, in um, Lawrence in Kansas, the sure. University of Kansas. Um, yeah. And then I went out to Denver just to live with a friend. I was going to be there for like six months and help her trim weed and write a book and then move on. But uh, <laughs> again, very practical living. Um, yes. A tiny little commune. But I, I ended up finding a, a kitchen job and finding stand-up there, so I stayed so that's so. where you intersect with comedy. Is yeah. uh, where was there was the place hosting something, some events, and you saw it and thought, "Oh, I could do it," or you, it was just. Uh, well, you tell me. <laughs> I could not, I could guess. That's a guess. That's a great guess, uh, <laughs> but it's not right. No. Um, How no. could it be? <laughs> um, I actually I started watching comedy more out there. I for some reason it's like something I never watched as a kid much. I saw like Eddie as Izzard growing up, and that was the only stand up I watched before um, moving out there. Um, and then I just like watched more, and a couple of my roommates ended up being comedy fans, and they were like, "We'll take you to a mic." And then yeah, I saw. And then I saw, oh, it's happening everywhere. Maybe I could do this and write something lighter. Uh, rather than being serious all the time. <laughs> right. And the main outlet for your writing up until that point was what? Um, I did like a fiction writing and, and nonfiction essays. Um, but yeah, I tried to write books and stories and things, you know. Yes. And are those <laughs> things that are still, uh, that you're t keeping the fires burning for, are they, you're still tending to those as uh, uh, potential avenues of exploration? Uh, I had stopped kind of writing those entirely when I started stand-up. Um, and then I, this year, have been trying to do those more again and be able to take myself more seriously again. It's funny how the waves of how seriously you want to take yourself come and go <laughs> with with this business. But I am I'm trying again to, to write those write those things new goals with that so yeah well i can tell just even from your uh, social media presence and certainly on twitter that there is a gifted writer at work and uh, <laughs> I, I mean i think there's just so many jewels within your uh, twitter feed and that kind of thing uh just i i came across one that i just want to share with you if that's okay <laughs> oh, i don't sure. I, I know it's a little weird to read your tweets back to you mm, but it's very sweet <laughs> th this one it just uh, uh this one just hit me right <laughs> especially since of everything it in New York, and we'll talk about New York. But every time I see a whale now, I'm like, damn, I bet that belly would be a pretty spacious place to live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, 
Set. We're in such tiny places in Brooklyn, aren't we? Or in New York. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't have a window now, which I didn't think I would miss, but I do. <laughs> oh, yes. That's a big key. That's technically illegal, I think. Yeah, the way. I am aware. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you've moved into some kind of closet situation. Mm-hmm, my belly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It would be one thing to experience 10, 11 months in lockdown in a house in the suburbs with multiple floors, let's say, or uh, another room, even when shared with another uh, person. <laughs> you could <can> still <laughs> drive to a parking lot and cry in a strip mall. You know, I mean, the things that we can't do here, it makes it a little tougher. It makes it a little tougher. Yeah, I can imagine. I kind of, I feel like I took my situation before for granted because I also spent time on the farm this year and was like entirely isolated. Because like, you know, but I had so much space. And it Back does, in Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a huge difference on your mental health to be able to go outdoors once in a while. So I'm trying to remember it, but I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's your what's your situation? Have you been well, you have the commune. This is, this yes. is a real thing. Yes, and you know, it was also to just have other people to interact with, maskless, mm -hmm. of course, or masked, uh, of course, mm -hmm. and uh, only maskless from the window or something if we're shouting down, hey, Ennis, you know, uh, but the, the rest of the time, we're, we're keeping it safe. But really, just to see other people and to interact with them uh, and to get some work done. <laughs> Yeah. And cinnamon rolls when they come in. Yeah. But uh, uh, so, so okay. We've got the uh, support of the family to embark on this thing, and you move here, and then the pandemic hits. Well, no, I moved here. Um, I moved here at the end of uh, end of no, the end of September. Oh, so you already knew the situation that was I here, knew. and yes, you still I... moved into it. Yes, I've been here like ten weeks. So if you look at the if you look at the chart, the graph of the numbers, yeah. right when I moved in is right before the, they start going up. So what you do know, we think about that. <laughs> it's not it's not my fault. Time in the Midwest, and then I took many many tests. <laughs> yeah, aren't they something? I took my first one recently. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not as bad as they say. No, it's really not. No, it's like living in Los Angeles. It's not as bad as they say. <laughs> yeah. It's not great either, but it's just mm. not as bad as they say. No, it's a, it's it's, a necessary thing sometimes. It's manageable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and have you have you had though a COVID scare? You got tested. Had you had you been close to something? Which I mean, we're joking um, about you starting the spike, and I assume that you didn't. But no, <laughs> no, no. I mean, I I got tested as I as I traveled, you oh, know, along the way, and then I got tested here a couple times just to. Because it was available, you know, I felt like it was a safe thing to do because I was going to like outdoor shows and stuff. And then as soon as I moved in to my new place, a roommate tested positive. So I did spend a couple weeks immediately quarantining once I moved into this room. <laughs> in the windowless room? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we talk about, you know, receiving and uh, taking in these experiences. And by gosh, you've had some experience. <laughs> You will be able to draw on your time quarantined in a windowless box <laughs> for the rest of your life. I've had the for the full range, you know. I was alone on a farm, and then I was alone in a box. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> and do you prefer one over the other? Um, I mean, alone on a farm is probably better. But once you don't have to be 
alone in the box. The outside here is preferable. <laughs> they're both they both have their charms, but um, I I prefer here for sure. Sure. Well, uh, tell me about your New York experience. Had you lived here before? This is really the first time. This is the first time. Yeah, I visited last year for like a week and a half. Um, and just I I loved the city, but. And then when I came here, I really didn't expect there to be any comedy happening. But, but there's a ton. Did you did you know? Have you, have you, <laughs> in have this ghost town? No, <laughs> I, I have seen pictures of people going outdoors, doing them at drive-ins, parking lots, uh, outside in the park, and that kind of thing. Uh, I, I mean, I've I've made the point before that there's already so many distractions within a comedy club. How much different can it really be? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, between people dropping the checks and. Uh, you know, parties and things and people talking. But it seems to me it would require a real recalibration for me to get out there. Yeah, it, it, it is different. It was kind of shocking to come here and be, because I was back in Denver for a while and there were some shows happening, but everybody just seemed, you know, the cases were a little higher there percentage testing wise. Um, and everybody was still very, very, very cautious and, and scared. And when I came here, everybody was happy. It was weird. <laughs> it was the first thing I noticed for the first couple of weeks because, like, uh, I don't know, all of my experiences elsewhere, people were just very, like, tense and, and waiting for the worst to happen. Whereas here, the worst already happened, it feels like. So people were ready to enjoy what they had when they could. So that was, yeah. that was pretty lovely yeah, to come I think, into. I think right when you got here was a moment of, like, whew, we did better than everybody else. Uh, mm -hmm. We did what we're supposed to do. I think we got this figured out, and now who knows what's going to happen. But uh, that was a good moment. If you're going to move during a pandemic, mm -hmm. that was a good, <laughs> good time to do it. <laughs> yeah, maybe like a month earlier or something. But really, I think I hit the sweet spot, if there is a sweet spot. Uh, so. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh my goodness! Uh, uh, so, and 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 has there been things that have been struck you as uh, unusual, other than people being kind of happy at that moment? Uh, your adjustment to New York. Tell me about this uh, kind of crash course in living here. Oh goodness! Uh, well, um, I don't have a job yet, so there's that. But <laughs> um, okay, I've really just. I mean, my favorite things about the city are always just walking around and exploring. And I really just, I wasn't expecting there to be so much life happening here still all the time. I don't, I don't know. Like, it's not that I believed like all the like rich people stories of, oh, the city's dead and it will never recover. But when I was doing research about what the city was like, it's so hard to tell. Cause you know, you get on Reddit and people are like, ah, everything's terrible all the time and then you come here and there's just things constantly happening and everything ready for you to take in and I don't know it's I've really loved it honestly like yeah. just being able to to go out every day and not quite be certain what you're going to see or find that's just like a naive view of New York City is there's things happening but <laughs> we'll take it we'll take it <laughs> I mean <laughs> I think that's a, a, a fine observation and uh, I'm encouraged because I had been led to believe by a lot of the reddit threads that I'm on that, that there wasn't a lot going on uh, but uh, if you, if you say that people are out there by gosh maybe I'll go to the Bryant Park Christmas Village and see what I <laughs> 
<laughs> what I can find. <laughs> did you did you go out at all the day the election results were announced? We did, yes. Uh, there was a little bit of a celebration. We heard the pots and pans and banging and things. And so, yes, we, we went down there to the intersection as people were waving giant flags and things. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't mean to gloat. I don't know what side of the spectrum you're on uh, politically. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> I think you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yes. Oh, uh, yeah, we did get out there. That was nice. And again, uh, one of the great things about New York. Yeah. Like, we can all celebrate things together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Suffer together and celebrate together. Yes, you're forced to, you know. You can't, (laughs) you cannot go out alone in a field to suffer alone. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Just bang a pot in the middle of some rye. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, uh, so many of, and I think this is what we're getting to, is that so many of my conversations this season have focused on uh, joy and finding it where you can, whether that's among other people or alone in the field or whatever. And uh, (laughs) I mean, I think it's because when I go outside, the few times I sneak about, uh, there's just enormous sadness to see what is no longer there, what is no longer possible anymore. And Mm -hmm. uh, there's so much loss for what could have been this entire year. Um, But I'm encouraged to think about joy. And you have some modes of finding it, too, walking around, taking pictures. You're able to do some writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I um, think more than anything this year has helped me um, figure out how to, like, kind of find maybe not so much joy as just, like, contentment in in little, in all the little spots and places and moments you know that sounds cheesy um but you know no i think I, that's that's uh, that's uh, well taken because so uh, and, and sometimes this joy is not explosive gigantic joy <laughs> no, no it's, it's we've gotten one ember. day of that yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right that's right and it was nice to experience it like what like uh almost pulling a muscle because mm-hmm. <laughs> like that for so long. Well, speaking of that, let's let's uh, maybe we can just list as we as we kind of wrap up the year some things that we miss. Oh, <laughs> that's not, that's not joyful. Too, well, <laughs> let's just acknowledge them, and then we can get to the other side of it. For instance, mm-hmm. I'm going to miss awkward holiday parties. Yeah, uh, I I miss just. This is, I miss hosting open mics and hosting in general, which isn't, (laughs) as a comedian, seems like a sad thing to miss. But I love, I love hosting. That's the best. Mm -hmm. Hosting is the best. That's the best gig. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. Uh, I mean, you're able, the audience trusts you. Uh, they mm-hmm. they rely on you to guide them through whatever's going to happen. And if somebody bombs, that's not on you. Mm-hmm. People are happy to see you back up there again. Yeah, you gotta yeah work with work with what you got. That's what Austin teaches you. So. Yes, yes. It always feels like the bell of the ball to be the host. <laughs> I suppose, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, acupuncture treatments. I also meet uh, tiny green rooms with bad odors. Oh, I love tiny green rooms. <laughs> chance encounters with more famous comedians at breakfast uh, uh, bars and hotels Mm -hmm. I miss perusing bookshops and coffee shops without feeling like I had to go out 
quickly, you know? Right, right. <laughs> and then wipe it down. Mm -hmm. This is the slow <laughs> meanderings in places. Yes, the wanderings. Um, uh, sharing a microphone. <laughs> yeah, or a sandwich. <laughs> or a plate of nachos. Yeah, nachos. Oh, I'm really with nachos. What the hell? <laughs> a scorpion bowl. Oh, I miss I miss dancing, which I didn't do very much, but like at festivals and then I went dancing maybe like twice like this year before yeah. things shut down and it's it's come up a ton. I really really miss dancing. Gosh, any physical movement. Mm -hmm. I yeah. try to dance alone still, but oh, yeah. dancing. <laughs> cool. And one should. And mm -hmm. one should. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I get the sense of why, you know, uh, you read about pandemics of uh, yesteryear and, uh, or difficult times that people went through. And it's no wonder that grandparents and parents don't want to talk about that, <laughs> talk about their experiences, right? Now I understand why you got kind of a quiet grandparent just sipping on gin in the corner. Uh, it, it's <laughs> traumatic and depleting. Yeah, I do think that's one of the things I'm trying to do this year is like be able to, to talk about it and absorb it all as it's happening. Just because I think there's, it's going to be such a huge thing afterward of nobody knowing how to, how to talk. We don't know how to talk about it now. We want to stop talking about it. And once it's <laughs> yes. over, we're going to have to still talk about it in some way. So I'm trying to like, I don't know, after having like, processed previous like personal trauma i think it's really important to just that was that's been my goal this year is to be as present in the in everything even if it's fucking terrible <laughs> just just so that you know no time is lost um and then it can be used later but yes yes I, I would also like to just take a very long break and sip gin in the corner for sure. Yeah. Oh, I look forward to those years myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as you're as you're saying that, and as you talk about the experience of going into New York and just seeing people uh, going about their business and people being, a, you know, there's a life out there. Uh, it's really something, isn't it? This I don't know if it's an evolutionary quirk or if it's just a survival mode that we've all entered into, but there's something that just encourages us to go forward. And <laughs> I don't know exactly what that is, but I thought the other day, like, well, here we are. We're just, we just keep progressing through this. And, yeah. the, the, you know, you want to take moments, as you're saying, to honor the feelings that you're having in the moment, but also you just... If you start to think too much about it, it's just you just want to crumple mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and you let it overtake collapse. you. And it would be easy to do, and you would be forgiven for doing so. But uh, whatever it is, I mean, you have it. You have this drive or faith or something that's keeping you pushed uh, forward. Yeah, I guess, you know, faith isn't a bad way to put it, um, but it's more just... Um, I don't know. I've I've heard that some people like overwork when they're dealt with when stress is presented to them, and some people like underfunction. And I just oscillate, I think, between the two. With <laughs> just uh, just being like, there is something that will happen that will be good from this, and I really got to get there. And then I reach that point. Like I feel like this year is that this has happened in like four week chunks where I'm like okay, next goal, push through. And then I collapse again. I'm like, well, I got to find a new, got to find a new goal. Uh, and it's right. even just finding the new goals is exhausting. I don't know what pulls us through is my response yeah. to that, I guess. 
It's it's just not uh, too different from just the creative path because you think, well, this will be something. And then you put all of your heart and energy into it and it could be or it couldn't be. And then you kind of have to uh, (laughs) relax Mm -hmm. and recharge after that uh, expulsion. And then you start to delude yourself again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Something's going to happen from this. Yes. Yeah. I think delusion also is a very important part of us getting through this (laughs) because we're all constantly saying, yes, we will make something from this. Or there is that side where people are like, something has to be brought from this. And then there's the side where people are like, you are surviving and that is enough. And there's, it's both. If you're getting through something, you're going to probably use it in some way. You know, I feel like we should use all the good and the bad, but you don't have to, you know. <laughs> just... no. And whether anyone wants it, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you just got to pull on two gravity blankets and just sink down. Mm-hmm. Just sink below. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, that's a cheery note, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> will you be doing anything for the holidays? Will you be celebrating in some way? Will you be here in your... Have you at least have uh, some lights you can put up in your windowless room? <laughs> there's there's lights and things. I actually have, um, I have like several like professional lighting things that my brother-in-law used to have a commercial production business that went under this year. So he gave me all of those things. So I have like a kind of, I can do like a video studio in my room. So hopefully I'll be making things. I'm staying here, is what I'm saying. I see. (laughs) I see. I'm just getting to work. (laughs) I am. I am just here. Yes. um, Probably do Zoom stuff with my my family because they're all they're not going anywhere either. I'm trying to just get through, you know. So yeah. Will there be a a family tradition you'll still be able to honor? Um, really, just gathering was our was our thing. You know, we weren't big aren't big on like for having to give gifts to each other. We used to do name draws, but this year, you know, we're all just like, let's just talk as much as we can, you know, just be together that way. But do you fashion a tree out of bundles of wheat? (laughs) No, but we used to do, you know, those popcorn uh, garlands. Yeah. We did popcorn garlands. (laughs) Will you be able to do that? I guess I could, you know, listen, just be careful of the rats. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm I don't still... mean to bring you down, but I'm just saying you don't want to leave food around. No, 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 no. <laughs> From I... an experienced New York person to a, a new a new resident, be mindful of the uh, edible garlands. Yes, I am still at the point where I'm counting my rats and my cockroaches. So <laughs> <it's> just, <laughs> yeah. I am new. Well, <laughs> that's something that never leaves you. <laughs> no. Are you are you doing Christmas things in the commune? Uh, yes, we've got uh, we've got some solstice preparations that we're doing. Uh, oh. I've made a specialty essential oil uh, made of peppermint uh, oils and uh, some uh, frankincense, and we'll be rubbing that around on our bodies and maybe making some kind of gingerbread uh, circle. Uh, mm. There'll be there'll be some things that we do. Sure, lovely. My birthday yep. is the solstice, so well. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Enchanting. Do you have some powers then from that? Do you feel that? I don't know. What powers should I feel? Because it's well, possible I do, but I don't know what they are. I think are. especially attuned to the, the cosmic vibrations. Yes. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I could tell. 
<laughs> well, uh, I'm so uh, glad that you were able to share a few vibrations with me here today, Allison. This has been delightful, and uh, I-, I welcome you to New York. Thank you. Yeah, I've enjoyed talking with you, too. Thanks for having me. Yes, and uh, next year's got to be better. Oh, yeah, sure, yes. <laughs> <laughs> There it is, that Midwestern <laughs> optimism. <laughs> I, I think it will, <laughs> yes. I, I encourage us all to at least go into it with that mindset. Yes. And then, you know, we'll, we'll deal with it, whatever we have to deal with, head on from there. Yes, hopeful, but not with expectations, so... Tempered, tempered, yes, solstice, baby. <laughs> we, we, we feel that. All right, well, I see bright things ahead uh, for you, and I hope things open up and that you're able to get out there and do some comedy even through the, the winter months, um, and I just wish you a terrific, uh, healthy, and happy new year. Thank you. Same to you. All right. Obviously. Thanks for being with me. Thank you. All right. Bye. I'm so glad that Allison could join us, and I do hope you'll check out her work or catch a set of hers sometime, and why not give her a follow as one does on the social media platform. She's in a windowless room, so I'm sure any tether to the outside world is appreciated. And my thanks to Allison for letting me uh, unwind some of my feelings that I've been having. Our sharing is wonderful. Long-time denizens of the deep night know that the most consistent theme on this show is loss. And sometimes as I sit in my meditation trousers waiting for my breakfast of black coffee, dry wheat toast, and one half of an ear of warm buttered corn, I consider the nuance between absence and loss. Loss being a response to something gone, an active state of grieving for what is uh, suddenly no longer. Loss waxes and wanes, an emotional state. But to acknowledge an absence is, I think, and some of the fellows down at the turtleneck swap agreed with me, fundamentally different. Now, you can throw a pot in an adult wine and pottery class, and the shape of that vessel is defined as much by what is present, the clay form, too much Pinot Grigio, as what is not, the hole in the middle, a sense of boundaries from the instructor. Our galaxy has thousands of black holes in the middle of it, and if I ever get to see one, I know it's going to be a hoot. And these giant voids help determine speed and light and what escapes and what is consumed by what I can only imagine is some kind of god engine. Absence is important. The absence is necessary for us to see and to honor as part of ourselves. And I mean that in all sorts of ways. Now, a tree could grow around a pole of a metal fence, but when that fence rusts away or is taken down, the tree is still in that altered shape. The tree, as far as we know, doesn't grieve for the fence, but it is changed, you see. Now, coming to terms with absence is tricky, especially when enmeshed and intertwined with our emotional selves. Now, of course, you and I know from our dog-eared pages of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's book that the shock of something being gone is but one stage of a long process, one that in my experience is not linear, nor does it have a predefined end. Grief is like water, as I said earlier. It seeps, it floods, pours, and washes away. It can be cleansing or frightening, or both. Loss and absence were both on the mind of Caroline from the Ladles when she wrote this song that you're about to hear. And this is what she had to say about writing it. Louise is about my grandmother. This is Caroline talking. Louise is about my grandmother, Louise Rich. Born in 1935, Louise was a master baker, scrabble player, and an incredible friend to many. 
This song is a dedication to her and speaks to the strength that can be found in connecting to our lineage after our loved ones have left the earth. Now, as the coronavirus continues to take its toll, many of us are confronting mortality in a way we have not had to think about before. A time of grief and anger and frustration, but also a time of unprecedented reflection and connection. If you have lost someone, we hope this song will bring you some comfort. Wise words there, and some of the same sentiments that I've been uh, putting out there this season as we try to move through all this. So let's get to it. Uh, this is uh, uh, one of the first places that you're going to hear this song. The song is entitled Louise, and it's from the Brooklyn group, The Ladles. My thanks to the ladles 
Caroline, Katie, and Lucia. For a beautiful piece of music, you can find The Ladles on theladles.com or on Bandcamp. Louise will be available everywhere December 18th, and I'm sure more is on the way. Uh, So given the song that you've just heard, our talk with Allison, this prevalence of the theme of loss, uh, I hope you'll be okay with my taking a moment to honor a dear friend of the program and an inspiration uh, who died this week. Now, if you were part of or paying attention to the New York comedy scene at any point over the last decade or so, chances are you knew Katie Lazarus. And if you knew her, you really knew her. She drew you in and was part of your life from that point on. Attending her Zoom funeral service earlier this morning, which, wow, years of dystopian sci-fi reading did not prepare me uh, for that experience. Totally weird, completely lovely, uh, and, and... just want to acknowledge that you sit there facing everyone in their moments of absolute grief, uh, but it is in its own way beautiful uh, because of it to, to, to witness the, the emotions that are happening there. And it was a lovely service for someone um, who so many of us uh, truly loved. Now, Katie was a singular luminous force in New York, and to not have her here is to feel as if the Empire State Building has simply up and vanished, a part of the skyline just no longer there. It it feels hard to get your bearings. Her voice is so clear in my head, so distinct, and she was a person so full of life that it's just unfathomable to imagine her not popping up around the corner after a show or bursting through the curtain at Joe's Pub about to kick off another one of uh, her stellar uh, evenings. She was the best of us because she brought out the best in others. I wish I knew her secret. And given that we were both producers and hosts of talk shows, you know, we had a friendly rivalry about this kind of thing. At some point, I had to just uh, stifle my jealousy until it turned into a deep reservoir of appreciation and indeed wonder. Katie always found a way, no matter how awkward a conversation started with one of her guests, to get to a moment or draw out a story that was perfect. She was manufacturing a highlight reel in real time, and she always delivered. And she got stuff you wouldn't expect out of people like Wallace Shawn, Edie Falco, John Stewart, Patti Lapone. the list uh, goes on and on. It was extraordinary. Offstage, she had the same generosity of spirit. She always had time for you. She showed up. I cannot stress how important that is. If you're in a community of creators, go to the shows. Pay the money, go and fill the seats, lend support even when you're not on the bill, right? She knew that, and she did that. And afterwards, you could count on her to be in your corner and to challenge you to keep pushing forward and to be uh, consistent in introducing you to other people in her vast orbit that she thought you should know. And that might help you in some way, or just be another uh, kind of like-minded person. She believed in people and talked them up, including myself, and, and she helped you through something with a clear sense of how to shape a creative project. And she did a lot of her work on these last few years in the midst of battling a deadly and painful cancer that ultimately took her life. Some people would never even know that because of how determined she was and how, how effortless she made it all seem. I remember being backstage at the Running Late with Scott Rogowski's show, and I think maybe Steve Buscemi or somebody was the guest, and Katie appeared, uh, and it was always great to see her. And I asked her, well, how are you doing? And she said, well, my relationship just ended. I'm dying of cancer, but other than that, I'm doing great. And that's how she was. There was darkness, and there was her inner light, and that was going to get her through. 
Whatever that well was that she was drawing from, as I talked about with Allison on this episode, I sure hope to be able to connect to that in my own being, to carry on and move forward through whatever comes next. And now her absence is one of the ones that occupies the center of my universe. And I'm changed both by the things that she gave to me in her too brief time and that which is no longer here. We'll miss you terribly, Katie. And I wish we had one more coffee or one more late-night walk with her dog lady or one more night at Joe's Pub watching you pull off another amazing show, bewildered and dazzled and cheering you on. So rest easy, friend. And that, at long last, will do it for us this week and for this year. I wish you all a healthy and safe and even joyous holiday season. We'll be back in the new year because as I say every week, although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night with Dale is produced and performed by James Bewley. Season theme song by Mariam Cadus of Space Moth. Season podcast icon by Philippa Beleza. Incidental music heard throughout the program by the talented roster at Howler Hills Farm in Ohio. Remember to rate and review the program on Apple Podcasts or tune in and stream the show on Spotify, SoundCloud, Pandora, or Stitcher, wherever you find fine audio content. To see any of our live shows or other short videos, visit our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Radio, and follow us on Instagram at DaleSeaver is the handle. Thanks again for listening, and remember this season to keep your portals open and at a safe distance. <laughs>